Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's Tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. The following program is a production of the Barroom Network. It is intended for all audiences. Doug Buffoon. This defense sucks. This is moronic. John Buffoon. Is Bill Lazor a good play caller, or is Matt Nagy such a bad play caller that it makes average look like Bill Walsh? Doug was behind the microphone first. He never held back. Very difficult to score when your offense is on the bench. When your defense is out there giving up 70, 80, 70, 64-yard drives. Now, it's his nephew, John, and there's no holding this buffoon back either. What the Bears are right now is what has been wrong with them for over 30 years. Just aim to be competitive and do your best to be average. And maybe we should just accept that, because the front office sure as hell did. I don't mind you getting beat. I got my ass whipped many times, but I tell you, I took somebody down with me. The games have been close because the defense, your offense, which you came in to revolutionize, has gotten worse as the years go by. It's Buffon 55, the John Buffon Show. Welcome to another edition of Buffone 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down those Chicago Bears. I'm your host, John Buffone, and with me as always is my producer and co-host, Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa, the Cardinals are who we thought they were, and so are the Bears. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. I mean, I wasn't really surprised with what happened. You know, when you get to this point of the season where apathy starts to take over and you're just like, Mm. eh. Right. And like, that's the point where we've reached, especially because Justin Fields wasn't out there. And I'm like, eh, okay. But, and, and then it doesn't get any easier now that we have the Packers on deck. So, you know, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> Just a whole lot of apathy. We're going to talk a lot about this on this show, but we have an excellent guest lined up tonight to help us better understand the Bears' next opponent, the Green Bay Packers, a rival that has not really been much of a rival for the last 30 years, but we'll get into that later. But just in case this is your first time listening or watching Buffone 55, Alyssa, give everybody a rundown of how this works. Absolutely. So Buffone 55 has three segments and we start off with our B55 segment. That's when I ask John five questions and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffone, his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. That's then followed by learning about the Bears' upcoming opponent from someone who follows them closely. And today we are thrilled to have Corey Jenner-John, a columnist over at CheeseheadTV.com. We then finish things up by going into Buffon's basement where Aldo Gandia joins us and we have a Bears therapy session and let out our feelings. John, I know this team takes, I know this takes a lot for you, right? This team. Are you ready for this? Uh, As ready as I'm going to get in week 14 of this season, but yeah, let's go for it. (laughs) 
Okay, John, so we're going to do something that's different for this show and for us as Bears fans, and we're going to start off on a positive note. Okay, so I know the game wasn't a joy to watch, but if you had to key in on one positive, what would it be? I hope you can fill 55 seconds. Go. (laughs) Wow, uh, way to put me on the spot right out of the gate. Uh, I guess, well, because I don't have much to choose from, I'll go with the obvious. It was David Montgomery. He proved that he was the only elite Bears player on the offense. He had 90 yards on the ground with a touchdown, probably should have had another touchdown, and then hauled in eight catches for 51 yards. And right on cue, as soon as David Montgomery has a great game, the conversations start about whether or not the Bears should trade David Montgomery or even let him walk after his contract is up we had kind of a similar similar reaction with Jordan Howard but does anyone really think that David Montgomery isn't clearly better than Jordan Howard he catches the ball better seems to have better speed and vision and just has a little bit more wiggle to him there's no reason that the Bears can't have David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert in the backfield and kind of work it like the Cleveland Browns did with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt plus the Bears have a more dynamic quarterback than the Browns do so there's going to be a lot more opportunity while with all three of them back there. Yeah, like you, I think David Montgomery was the lone bright spot in that game. And it figures that, you know, he was on the injury report on Wednesday. He did not practice. So, I mean, it figures just when he's getting back to his old self, you know, he might not play this week. If so, then I think Khalil Harbert will be up to the task again. And if I had to key in on a positive, it's not anything that positively happened. I think it's just that this loss kind of brought us one step closer to Matt Nagy being gone. So I'm going to focus on that. (laughs) One would think, but who's to say? That's true. I mean, we know this ownership in this front office. I mean, I mean, ever. I mean, it should be just kind of set already. But I mean, after this week, if he loses to the Packers or gets blown out, we'll see what happens. <laughs> On national TV. On national TV, that's where it always happens. And mm-hmm. you know, we're going to go back to that reality of Matt Nagy. Now, the Bears are four and eight, and the twenty twenty one season is all but over. Even though they're still technically not out of the playoffs yet. Matt Nagy said this week that rookie Tevin Jenkins will likely be a depth player and there aren't any current plans to get the second round pick serious snaps. What do you think is the reasoning behind that? 55 seconds and go. Honestly, I was kind of surprised at how surprised people were by the comment. I've been saying this for months. Matt Nagy does not care about the 2022 Chicago Bears. He needs to squeeze every last positive out of this season, and he has to believe that he's coaching for his job, or more likely, coaching for his next job. Do you think, deep down, he's concerned with how Tevin Jenkins is going to play in 2022? There's a reason Jimmy Graham is still playing, and not just for Horsett or Jesse James. Those guys might be able to carve out a future with the Bears and you'd like to see them get some reps but Matt Nagy isn't concerned about a future with Jesse James or Jesper Horstead. he's all in on the short term that's why if you're ownership and you already know what you're going to do with Matt Nagy you fire him immediately after the Green Bay game so there isn't a conflict of interest anymore and your objective can lay solely with getting your future figured out yeah like you I'm not really surprised by it because it's a move that he's a desperate man at this point, right? He's going to ride with the players that he has. Why would he put a rookie in there who might not be ready or needs to learn on the job and will make mistakes? So, I mean, I understand that. If he was kind of putting Tevin out there and showing that he cares about the future of this franchise, then that would be making me feel a little nervous because then that would figure that he is going to be a part of the plans moving forward. So I'm not really too surprised. I would like to see him out there. I don't know whether it's he's not ready 
or Matt Nagy wants to kind of roll with Jason Peters, who's been probably the best offensive lineman for the Bears all season. But, I mean, at this point, it's frustrating to not see him out there because you want to see what they have in him, especially as you enter the draft and see, you know, hey, is Tevin going to be the answer at left tackle, right? It looks like Larry Borum is trending in, the, in you know, in, the, in a positive direction, so we'll see how that goes. But, I mean, I'm not really surprised. This is Matt Nagy. He's always been selfish. He's worried about himself and trying to salvage whatever dignity he has left, which I don't think is He's just. He's the smartest guy. No matter what, he's the smartest guy. So he knows exactly what to do, which is why the Bears suck. But but he's the smartest guy. Always playing those checkers. Yep. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to break up the sadness with something fun, John. So the Bears wore their blaze orange jerseys against the Cardinals to to the delight of some fans and to the dismay of others. John, in your opinion, what is the best Bears jersey of all time? The clock starts when you do. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's not the blaze orange. I can tell you that those jerseys should only be worn on Halloween and then put back on the shelf. I know a lot of people love the Navy throwback with the orange lettering or the white throwback with the stripes on the shoulders. Uh, and then there's the color schemes. Some like the Navy blue on Navy blue, which I think look pretty sharp. Uh, some think the blaze orange work better with blaze orange pants. I don't know if that's a color rush thing or not, but let me tell you which jerseys I like the most white pants, white jerseys, blue helmet, and white C. It's the throwback helmet for me. They stopped wearing the white C in 1973, but I love the way that white C looks, and I love how the white pants and the white jerseys, how they get dirty, how you can really tell if someone actually played in a game, if as long as they don't play inside or on turf. But that's kind of a the white pants, the white jersey, the white C. It's a token of kind of a forgotten era of Chicago Bears football. Man, that's a good point because I was thinking about this too. And like my first were with the 40 throwbacks, the Navy and the, like mm-hmm. the, the orange block block numbers. And I, I really like that. I love those throwback jerseys. They're always my favorites. I do remember the white on white. I just had like every time I envisioned the white on white uh, uniform, I always think back to Devin Hester on Monday Night Football mm-hmm. uh, back in 2006. You know, probably the only good year where you and I, John, had yeah, we were stand, alive. Yeah. Aside from 2018. <laughs> I always think of that and just like like you said, I, I I do love the white on white. It's a clean look. I do love the navy on navy too, but every time they wear those jerseys, they just suck worse than they already do now. So <laughs> let's just kind of leave the I still remember in 2006 they wore those that last game against the Packers where yeah. Rex Grossman had a 0.0 quarterback rating. <laughs> Oh, that, horrible, the, I, I don't know if that was the game where he like he made the excuse like, "Oh, it's New Year's Eve." I was yes, uh, like, that I was it. That was yeah, it. <laughs> that, that was when I think that, that it was over. Where it's just like, "Oh, you know, we're you know we're distracted. It's New Year's Eve." I'm like, you got it. You're using that as an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I just said the, the white on white with the, the the white C on the helmet. That's like my biggest selling yeah. point. I love that old white C. And it was only from like 1962 to 73 or something like that. But it was just kind of, it, it's like that old school Chicago Bears. Maybe that's why as Bears fans, we're just nostalgic because they were better 40, 50, 60 years ago. So we want to, we want to yeah. go back. We want to revert back to that time. No, definitely. And I think back in 2019, when they were celebrating the Bears centennial, I went to a Bears Giants game and they were they, they weren't wearing the white on white, but they were wearing that throwback helmet. I was just like, that just looks clean. I love it so much. So, I mean, like you said, it's probably because that's when they were good. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, yeah. I wish I was alive in the 40s watching that team. That would have been fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know that that's how, that's where we're at. that's that's where we're at now. Which is man, if I was just alive in the 40s, the Bears would have been fun to watch. That is that. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at. <laughs> okay, John. So we had our taste of fun. Okay, now we're gonna get back to the bad. 
<laughs> the Bears unfortunately play the Packers in a nationally televised game on Sunday night, and they followed up next week with a Monday night game against the Minnesota Vikings. Does the fact that the Bears will be on prime time make any difference to you? 55 seconds and go. Well, it makes a difference to me, and I hope it makes a difference to the McCaskey family. It's bad enough we have to watch this team strive to be average every week, but when it's on a national stage against your biggest rival, against a quarterback who says he owns you, I can't stand the texts and the calls and the memes I'm going to receive when the Bears crumble in prime time. And I certainly can't stand it when it happens against the Packers. If the Bears care at all about their image and their reputation, they will fire Matt Nagy after this game because the national pun and the radio hosts and the talking heads are going to get to sink their teeth into this game. And if the Bears get smoked, they are going to take a week of roasting before, oh, wait, another primetime game on Monday night. If they fire Matt Nagy, they can at least show that they're aware of their incompetence. And, this, and that story can then be that they're going to turn the page on a disappointing era. And if they do fire Nagy, I'd be interested to see how many people actually show up to Soldier Field for that Monday night game because I think they might be more happy. I mean, who comes up with this schedule? Like, who could think putting the Bears back-to-back primetime games would be anything but a good idea, especially when one of those is the Packers? I mean, this is kind of setting up to – maybe even in the McCaskey's favor because now you have two back-to-back primetime games where Matt Nagy is going to get hammered, like you said. Obviously, the one against the Packers is going to be the worst of the two. And it probably – I'm hoping – I mean, I still don't think because I don't think they're going to fire in midseason. I keep hoping that they come to their senses. But if they get walloped by the Packers, which could happen, that's what history tells us, especially at Lambeau Field in primetime, then I mean, that's in front of on a national stage in front of everybody. And Matt Nagy is going to be a laughing stock once again. And we're going to go back to the same conversation we've been having all season. And it's just, I mean, it's setting up perfectly for to fire Matt Nagy. So, hey, McCaskies, go at it. But we say that every week, Alyssa. It's like if they're, if they're going to do yeah. it, it might be after this game. If they're going to fire him, it's going to be after this game. We It seems like we tee this up every time. This would be the perfect time to fire Matt Nagy. And it's just like keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And I just don't I, – I honestly don't know if we're ever going to get to that point. It's just like when's the other shoe going to drop? We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And we're just in this weird football purgatory. Okay, well, then I'm going to say the opposite. I'm going to be like, this would be a great time to not fire Matt Nagy. Yeah. So now do the opposite of what I said. <laughs> The, the football gods will work will work the other way. Please. Please. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to finish up with your overall feeling towards the Chicago Bears, which I think I have a good feeling of what that's going to be. You know, many fans appear to be growing apathetic towards their favorite team. In a time where it would be easy to think that fans would be angry and outspoken, what's your take on the current calmness around the Bears? No clock for this one. Break it down. Listen, I just think Bears fans are looking out for their own mental health right now. This team is an encapsulation of the movie Groundhog Day. It's the same thing over and over, and eventually... You just have to mentally check out. We hear the same press conferences every week. We see the same product every week. And eventually, you just get more tired than you do mad. I know I've mellowed out over the months. I can't keep screaming into the wind about the same things. This team, this culture, this franchise has sucked the life out of its fans. Normally, a performance like last week would have my blood boiling and the veins in my neck ready to burst. But we're at a point where we know the opponent is better. We are expecting the Bears to lose, they lose, and we move on. We have accepted it just like ownership has accepted it. So congrats, guys. I guess you finally got the culture you wanted after all. We'll be back with more Buffone 55 after this.
Welcome back to Buffone 55. Now it's time to learn a little bit more about the Green Bay Packers. So I'm going to kick it back over to John to bring out our guest. John, take it away. Thank you, Alyssa. Here to help us learn more about the Packers is a columnist from CheeseheadTV.com, friend of the show. Please welcome to Buffone 55, Corey Jenner. John, Corey, how are you doing? Appreciate you coming back on. Hey, thanks a lot, John. I really appreciate it. So I kind of want to dig right into this matchup because we know the Bears, they don't really make adjustments. So I want to know what adjustments the Packers are going to make. What they From the first matchup, a little closer than the Packers fans may have thought it was going to be. What do you think is different in Green Bay since the last time they faced the Bears? Uh, just the, so much versatility, John. They're playing with so much more heart. Um, this, <laughs> I, I honestly, I cannot believe how amazing this offensive line is. You know, if Adam Stenovich, the offensive line, coordinator and Luke Budkis, uh, you know, doesn't get consideration for assistant coach of the year. There's something wrong uh, because what they're doing with that offensive line is amazing. Let's not forget that David Bakhtiari, he's been, he hasn't logged a snap yet. Josh Myers, uh, the amazing rookie center from Ohio state, uh, he's injured. And as well as Elton Jenkins, he's out for the season. Uh, he's arguably, in my opinion, the most versatile, most important offensive lineman for the Packers. Uh, so what they've been able to do is so many interchangeable pieces, uh, cobbling together four different offensive line combinations this season has been nothing short of remarkable. And obviously Aaron Jones has been playing really well and, uh, in the running game has been playing well, but the reason why the offense has been working is because of that offensive line. You know, the last time the Bears played the Packers, Aaron Rodgers reminded everyone how he owns the Bears. You know, Rodgers <laughs> has been dealing with a toe injury. I was curious, how has that impacted him, if at all, and what should we expect from Rodgers in this game? Uh, it hasn't really impacted him that much, uh, to be honest, Alyssa. I, I think, if anything, um, they may be a little bit more cautious and tell him not to run as much. I know right away, a couple weeks ago, he ran for that one-yard touchdown, um, but I don't think it's going to bother him at all. Uh, he's got plenty of time. Uh, there usually isn't a lot of pressure. The only thing that I would be worried about <clears throat> from a Packers perspective is if he gets a lot of pressure right up the gut. Uh, that usually is a big issue because then he can't get out. It's hard for him to get outside the tackles. But if it comes from the outside, then he can easily step up and throw. But other than that, I, I think it should be okay. I wanted to hit on the running game a little bit. It's been interesting how Green Bay has used their running backs, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Joes, and kind of what the workload has been. Uh, so have they finally found that mixture that works best for the Packers? It's because they've had to shift some things around with injuries. A.J. Dillon looks like he's coming on, but Aaron Jones is probably more effective in the passing game. What can Bears fans expect out of both of those guys? They, they can expect uh, a rock and a hammer uh, with A.J. Dillon. I mean, A.J. Dillon is one of those guys, he kind of reminds me of like a Krishna Koye, Barry Word kind of type. You know, they're going to hand it to him, they're going to hand it to him, and by the third, fourth quarter, nobody wants to tackle him. Uh, that's just kind of how he is. He doesn't really do anything spectacular. He's got a nice, he's got a couple of nice juke moves. He's got a nice turnaround. Uh, but A.J. Dillon just basically, he's going to hit you in the mouth, and he's basically daring you to tackle him. And we'll kind of see how the game goes uh, if the bears are really interested in tackling that big fella late in the game with uh, temperatures dropping uh, on a Sunday night with Aaron Jones is still up in the air. I mean, he did, he did play uh, right before the bye with that injured knee. Uh, but I'd be, I would be very surprised if they weren't more cautious with, uh, with Aaron Jones. 
And everyone knows the threat that Devontae Adams presents, and he'll no doubt be a focus, obviously, again on Sunday night. But how have other Packers receivers like Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb looked? And, you know, can we expect to them to have an explosive game as well? Well, uh, Randall Cobb, he's, uh, he's dealing with a groin injury. Uh, he's still up in the air. Uh, Lazard, Lazard is really interesting. Uh, he's a guy that can still come on come into his own. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was talking about actually Adam Senvich, the offensive line coach, like I was talking about. He was actually praising him for uh, kind of, you know, draw, diagramming some plays for Lazard. So there's there's so much fluidity with this offense. I mean, there's so many different ways that this offense can beat you. Obviously, everybody knows about Adams and Jones and AJ Dillon. Uh, but now you got Josiah DeGuerra, the, the tight end that's filling in really nicely for Robert Tunyon. Uh, you've got Alan Lazard, like you mentioned. Uh, there's so many different pieces, and some pieces that still have yet to be discovered. Um, I think that's the really neat thing about this Packers offense. Um, and as we move along in the season, um, uh, we're going to get a chance to see more and more pieces uh, kind of come to the forefront. Uh, obviously, the, the Packers lost Robert Tunyon earlier in the season. Uh, I'm wondering what his absence has meant to this offense and what uh, Bears fans can expect from that tight end position. I know Mercedes Lewis is still there. He's a fan favorite in Green Bay. Everyone loves to see Mercedes Lewis get the ball. What can we expect uh, from the tight end position in Green Bay? Uh, the, the loss of uh, Robert Tunyon was huge because uh, he's he was a big blocking presence and he was able to get open down the seam. Um, but DeGuerre has been really interesting for me. I really like him because uh, he's shown that he's really earned the trust of Aaron Rodgers and uh, he's, he can, he can catch the ball. He can get open. He can do a lot of different things. But in addition to that, he has really shown an ability to block, which has been very, very important for this offense. Matt Fleur has said all along, if you're a receiver, you really have to be expected to block. And that's exactly what DeGuerre has done. Um, and if you want to get snaps, whether you're a receiver or tight end, uh, or any of those skill guys, if you want to get on the field, you better be able to block. And that exa is exactly what DeGuerra has done. Losing Tunyon has been was – that was a big blow uh, in that San Francisco game. And to be honest, I was really surprised they were able to pull that game out without him. Um, but just – but, I mean, that's kind of – you know, to be honest, John, that's that's pretty been the – you know, that's been the microcosm of this season. It's been a – you know, <laughs> this guy gets hurt, whether it be injury, COVID – uh, pretty much every single obstacle they can, you know, think of uh, injured toe, which is amazing. Uh, any any obstacle that you can think of, uh, you know, they seem to get past, and, and it's not, and, you know, it's not an excuse. They just they just move on. And Corey, I know you talked about the success of the offensive line earlier, uh, which is really impressive considering they've had so many different offensive line combinations this season. And I was just curious, you know, if there was a weakness that the Bears can uh, target, and you kind of talked about it up the middle, you know, what do you think that weakness would be? And what's the status on David Bakhtiari? How close is he to returning? Um, first of all, yeah, the, the, the weakness is definitely up the middle. Um, centers, guards, if the, if the Bears are going to pressure – that's the place to do it. Um, try, to, like I said, try to try to force Aaron Rodgers to to move outside the pocket so he doesn't have to step up and throw. Uh, he's going to be vulnerable that way, especially with the injured toe. Uh, that could definitely be a problem. Uh, David Bakhtiari, I think they're going to hold him out as long as they possibly can. I thought originally it was he was going to play this game before he had a setback. He had, he had a setback. They had to clean out some some scar tissue a few weeks back. Uh, so now it's, it's kind of up in the air. I think now the, the target date is going to be like week 16, week 17, try to get him 
try to get you know his sea legs going right before the regular season is over, um, and then hopefully as the as the postseason comes, you know, can kind of hit the ground running, if you will. I want to switch sides of the ball now because the Bears had their most success against the Packers on the run uh, on the ground, uh, and they get got David Montgomery in this matchup. They might uh, sprinkle in some Khalil Herbert who played well against the Packers. Uh, is that where they're going to find their success again, or has Green Bay addressed that run defense a little bit? Yeah, they have. I would say they have definitely with Devontae Campbell um, clogging up the middle as an inside linebacker. Chris Barnes has been a really Really dynamic inside linebacker. Obviously, they're nowhere near the inside linebackers that the Bears have. Um, but they, those two have been a remarkable surprise. Uh, you know, picking Devondre Campbell up off the scrap heap and getting Chris Barnes off the scrap heap, frankly, as well, has been uh, such, a, such an amazing thing for this defense. This defense, and not to mention this defense, really got skewered last uh, NFC Championship game by Tom Brady completing – so many short passes that turned into large gains. So they recognized that inside linebacker was a huge issue. They really spent a lot of time and resources on that issue, and and it really shows. I mean, Devontae Campbell is arguably one of the best linebackers in the National Football League. And Justin Fields is going to be making his return to the starting lineup after missing a couple of games with cracked ribs. So it's not really encouraging considering the Bears have given up the most sacks in the NFL this season. You know, can we expect it to be a long night for Fields with this Packers pass rush? I Yeah, I would. And to be honest with you, Alyssa, I, I, I get why the Bears want to see Justin Fields. You know, he's, he's, a, he's an amazing passer. Uh, he's a great talent. I really like the fact that they, they picked him. I, I really like Justin Fields. However, at this point in the season, I really don't understand the point in playing Justin Fields. I mean, the season, like you, you know, there's so much apathy going on early with Matt Nagy, John, so upset. Uh, but I, I mean, at this point, I, you know, you don't want with three correct ribs. Does it does it really pay to put him out there and risk even more injury or potentially having him injured for the start of the 2022 season? I, you know, I'm not really sure. I mean, John, what do you, what do you think about that? Well, that's that's the balance between do you want your guy to get reps and do you are you looking out for his future? And I think there's an argument to be made that reps in a Matt Nagy offense aren't going to mean much going into 2022, much like Mitch Trubisky's reps with John Fox didn't mean much whenever Matt Nagy took over in Trubisky's second year. So uh, <laughs> it, there's something to say about getting up to, to game speed and understanding that, but uh, if the, I would say if there's any chance at all those ribs could be re-injured or he's not exactly 100%, then I agree with you, Corey. Uh, but this might be more along the lines of let's just see if he can keep up the game speed and hopefully the line, keep, hopefully the line keeps, him he- keeps him healthy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know I've seen Andy Dalton's uh, primetime numbers. He's 6-18 and 18 as a starter in primetime. That is awful, but – I'm just saying, I mean, if you want, you know, Justin Fields is not, he's not a 2021 guy. He's there. He's going to be there mm-hmm. for a while. So let's, uh, you know, if, if I'm a Bears guy, you know, that's a guy that you would definitely want to protect. Without a doubt. And going into this game, there, there's, we're hoping that there's going to be some opportunities to pass and Justin Fields can show off that arm because unlike Andy Dalton, he can throw it further than 20 yards. But what is, what's the report card out for the secondary uh, for Green Bay? Is that, I mean, I know that the good measuring six, probably not the Bears offense, but what can the Bears expect <laughs> to see uh, from the cornerbacks, free safeties and what have you? Well, other than, I mean, Eric, Eric Stokes has been a very good uh, corner, rookie corner out of Georgia. He's been a very good corner for them. Uh, he got he got 
kind of uh, burned by Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. But other than that, uh, uh, there's going to be – he's going to find some open lanes. The, the secondary does have some leaks. He does have some holes. Agent Amos, as you all know, he's, he's a good safety. But um, without Jair Alexander, let's call a spade a spade. It's, it's a different secondary. And uh, Rasul Douglas, he's been good, uh, but he's also, he's also gave up the home run. Um, so, I mean, the big play is going to be there. Um, but I mean, as long as let's just put it this way, if, if fields is, does, has a lot of platform throws where he doesn't have to move a lot. Uh, I think fields can carve the secondary up. And Corey, I feel like you're trying to give me a little bit of hope with that, with the secondary, <laughs> that possibly be, <laughs> but I'm not buying it. <laughs> Um, but, you know, we always get a kick uh, on this program talking about Bears special teams because kickers have just scarred us for, for life. Uh, so can you give me a quick profile of, of the Packers special teams or any players we should be looking out for? How's Mason Crosby looked after he's had some rough misses this season? You know, who should we look out for on the special teams? Uh, two guys. Uh, Mason Crosby actually looked really good in the Rams game right before the bye. Um, all of his all of his kicks looked really good. The, the holder, the... Um, and, and the snap, all that stuff looked really good. There's there's been issues with all the all the three units. Um, another guy to keep an eye on is um, Marcos Valdez Scantling. Uh, he has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, Marcos Valdez Scantling has, and uh, the. The amount of hustle, the amount of energy that he's had has been amazing. And uh, he's the guy that the Bears, uh, the Bears offense really needs to keep an eye on. Now, I, I'm going to ask you for a game prediction, but I'm not going to ask it in the traditional sense because I know exactly who you're picking to win this game. I know who everyone's picking to win this game, quite frankly. But if you had to say this is a successful game for the Packers, or if the pack, what do you want to see out of the Packers for this to be considered a successful game? Because everyone's picking them to win. So what are you? What are you thinking? What do the Packers need to do for them to say we did what we had to do? Oh, we might have lost Corey there for a second. We can see him, but I don't think he can hear us. That's not, absolutely nothing. They're not going to do anything. So The Packers have uh, to do anything, and they're still going to win. So I mean, <laughs> that, I mean that's that, that's essentially what they have to do. Nothing. They're, they're going to Exactly. So, uh, it looks like we might have had a connection issue with Corey, although we still have our video feed, which is going to make this – if you're watching the YouTube version of this, stay tuned. We're going to see what Corey's night has in store for him and see if he goes and gets a sandwich where he's going indoors now uh, i can do a whole this is more exciting than a bears game let me do play by play so Corey has entered the building he's probably warming up now a lot less chilly he said it was 21 degrees when he started he's going to ref some uh some i believe uh rec league basketball he's looking at the screen again not sure if he can see us gives us a little bit of a glance like our commenter says he does kind of look like greg olson so we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna stick with that Corey Jenner, John of Cheesehead TV, giving us a live look at his life. And if you're listening to the audio version of this, you are hating this because you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But here we are. We're walking, still walking. We're getting the lag now. We're playing like feels like we're playing Call of Duty on dial-up internet. Okay. All right. So he's just still looking at us. And we're gonna go ahead and just <laughs> we're gonna assume that uh, Corey picks the Packers to win. And uh, if you want to check out Corey at Corey Jenner John, he's a columnist for cheeseheadtv.com. We appreciate him stopping by and giving us 95% of the interview. Corey, are you back with us? 
We're not sure. We you pop back up. Are you are you there, bud? No. I'm giving you the outros. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna shut this off. Thank you so much to Corey Jenner John for giving us that interview and giving us some time. Uh we're going to uh be back with Buffone's basement wrap this. You're watching Buffone 55 on the Barroom Network. Welcome back to Buffon's Basement. We're off the freaking rails here on this. Well, you know what? This is a Bears podcast, isn't it? <laughs> we have this a plan. This is a Packers Week podcast. The <laughs> Packers Week Bears podcast, where everything is just going off the freaking rails. But it is time for Buffon's Basement, which means Alyssa and I walk down the stairs. We see Aldo Gandia passed out on his lazy boy bugles on each one of his fingers. He's getting halfway through it. Aldo, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, first of all, that interview with uh, Corey uh, was outstanding, but your play-by-play was the highlight of the show. I mean, I don't know how anyone can make it interesting to follow somebody into a gymnasium. <laughs> hey. I think even the audio podcast version is going to be interesting. Well done, John. <laughs> well, when you when you when you watch the Bears long enough, you you figure out how to make boring interesting, and so you got you got you got to find a way. And we, you know what, we found the why, and then after that, we we attacked the why, and here we are talking about. The why, but Aldo, now that you're on here, I do want to ask you your input on this. The first most important thing that I got to ask, what's your favorite Bears jersey? (laughs) (laughs) I am totally with you. I go back to the days of uh, Bobby Douglas, Dick Butkus wearing the all whites and you love the grass stains on them. And you're right. I mean, the the white C is is the way to go. That's the traditional look that I remember most. And I wish the Chicago Bears would figure that out and uh, schedule a game, uh, hopefully against a division rival, and hopefully the Bears are good at that point, um, with the all-whites, because that would just be a classic, classic look. And if they do ever move into a new stadium, um, if they could have at least a simulation of grass stains on a jersey, I, I would really appreciate that too. If, if it's digital, like it's just like it's an enhanced on like the, in the truck and the ESPN, it's like, they get up, it's just there's it's all CGI grass stains up and down. They're like, that's fine. That, that, that's completely fine. I, I'm I'm down with that. So this is this is what it's come to. We're talking about the future of jerseys in the Chicago Bears because this season's a wash. But I do I, I do want to bring up. Uh, something that has been, you know, a pretty big talking point uh, in the media, which would be Tevin Jenkins seemingly not going to get significant time or he's going to be a depth piece for the rest of the season. And although you and I have talked about this quite a few times where if Matt Nagy doesn't put him in, you would say that's basically committing malpractice to the uh, to the franchise. So uh, it, what what does that mean to you? 
You know, I um, I listened to Tevin's uh, press conference today, and it's good to see him back uh, on the team and and ready to go. He seemed in good spirits. I've actually got a soundbite of him talking about how he's feeling and how he feels about the plan that the Chicago Bears have for him. So let me play that now. Now I think about it, it's probably a year, one month since I've been in a game. And, you know, missing that feeling, it was really great for me to be out there fully suited up. Uh, got like two snaps on field goals, so, you know, that's a great um, progression from where I was a couple months ago, and I'm very glad of where I'm at. Do you feel 100%? Yes, sir. If you were asked to start a game or play an entire game, you'd be, you'd be good to go, clear medically, the whole thing? Uh, yes, but that's entirely up to the coaches, though, of course. But... It's up to them, and I trust their process of what they're doing and how they're handling the situation. And I'm just going to keep on going with what they tell me to do. Lisa, I know, uh, and, and we're waiting for John to pop back in. I think he had a uh, disconnect on the system. Um, I know you listened to the uh, press conference as well, and it was really quite uh, eyebrow-rising when he described the pain that he went through. It was uh, he, This was not uh, an easy thing to go through. Yeah, and the fact that after he said the surgery, the fact that when he was talking about the injury, it made it seem like maybe it wasn't a new injury or maybe, I don't know, maybe it was, like it was kind of a little unclear there. But like you said, the pain and how he was kind of describing that, it was just like, whew. But now he said he feels like, uh, like he will, he feels better than he did when he was 18. And yeah. at first I was like, oh, because I kind of thought, you know, myself and, you know, being held, I'm like, oh, that's a long time. But for him, it's probably four years. But, <laughs> <Exactly>. you know, <laughs> yeah, no. but like, you know, kind of like watching him in that press conference and listening, he sounds like somebody who's ready to get back out there and start hitting people. Like he's ready to go. But at the same time, he's playing, he's, he's playing it right. He's like, I'm going to trust the process, trust the coaches and what they have to say. But I mean, I think that he'd be ready to get out there and, you know, like you and John are talking about, I mean, I, I want to see him out there. Like you want to get, you want him to get those quality reps, especially during a learning season like this. You want to see what you have in him. Is he going to be your left tackle of the future? So, I mean, I'm still, I don't, because Jason Peters has done great this year. That's the thing. Like, I think he's been their best offensive lineman this season. So it's, you don't want to kind of take that away from him. But at the same time, Peters is not your future. Jenkins is. So you really need to give him some opportunities. Not Maybe not like a whole game, but kind of give him some snaps. <laughs> give him some reps. If you have to move things around, we talked about this in the past, like kind of reshuffling the offensive line if you have to, especially because I think we all want to get Sam Mustafer out of there. So, I mean, I do want to see Jenkins get some reps, not um, not at Peters' expense, like injury, because I don't want to see that happening. But it sounds like that could be it. But if Nagy's fired at some point, then perhaps the interim coach or maybe Juan Castillo is then like, okay, well, now we can see what Jenkins does. Because maybe it's Matt Nagy, right? Because he's kind of playing coaching for his job right now if he thinks he still has one. So, I mean, I do want to see him get some reps at some point this season. John is back from his bathroom break. <laughs> no, let me tell you, this this is like the no good, very bad day when it comes to podcasting. Technical problems out the wazoo. We, we watched Corey walk into a gym. We came back unexpectedly. Uh, my connection dropped. So you know what? I, I'm waiting for an asteroid to hit my house during this podcast. Uh, before the game. Before the, well, pre- so you don't have to watch it. I was going to say preferably before the game. <laughs> uh, really? uh, I don't know if you guys talked. Uh, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, we, we talked about, you know, Jenkins getting back and the extent of the injury and the fact that he 
is feeling comfortable in the process. And he uh, and I played a clip from the from the press conference. I'd like to play another one. This is him talking about, you know, playing behind uh, Jason Peters. Yeah, there's certain nuances that like give away uh, certain defenses like tendencies and tips in the way we look at uh, practices. And I'm sure if I say it right now, other people will catch on. That's not you know kind of smart of me to get pass along the information and want to get that information to be worthwhile. You know, it's just, so I want to keep that a little bit secret out there. Obviously, you didn't want to. Obviously, you didn't want to miss any time with an injury. But do you almost see it as a bit of a silver lining that because you got hurt now you've had this opportunity to learn under Jason Peters? Yeah, you know, yeah. There's a you know everything. There's everything that goes with it, like pros and cons, of course. And of course, the con was me getting surgery. The pro was I ended up getting learning from Jason Peters. That's all. It's just I'm glad he's here. I'm glad that we got to bring him in, and I'm glad I'm learning from him. Yeah, I think it's important for all of us to understand that he hasn't had many practices. I mean, his uh, preseason was ruined by this injury and a very painful injury we're talking about. Listen, and I were talking about. And so to bring him along slowly, you know, and hopefully, you know, by the last couple of games, they can insert him in for, you know, long periods of time. But there's nothing wrong, I think, by, uh, you know, he's activated this last week. Bring him along slowly and make sure that that back can take the 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 punishment. You know, one of the things he said, John, and you would probably understand this a lot better than me because I haven't been inside a gym in about 10 years. Um, he was talking about how uh, he's still lifting. He's not doing anything that puts stress on the spine. And so I thought that was interesting because they're so they're still being very cautious with this conditioning. Yeah, there's a lot of things that do put pressure on the spine, so I'd like to see what, exactly what it is he's doing. And honestly, Aldo, if if Matt Nagy would have said what you just said or what we're assuming is going on, then I would have been 100% fine with that, where it's just like we're going to bring him along slowly. We don't we don't want to, you know, risk any more injury. That would show that you're looking at the future. That would show that you're protecting an investment and you're easing it into it. By saying he's just going to be a depth piece in whatever you're trying to win blah blah blah. That that's where it stinks for me because it's not you're not you're not talking about the future you're talking about God I don't care what he is we're gonna we're gonna put a forty year old left tackle in there whenever the season's basically a wash so uh, I I really like Tevin Jenkins I like his mindset I like the way that I wait uh, I like the way that he handles himself there uh, and it seems like he's all in on trying to get up to speed with things so we'll see my hope is that. When the Bears ultimately do get eliminated from playoff contention, because I think right now is it like what half of a percent for them to get in or something of that nature? The it, Lions it, are that, still in. Well, you're right. So we're we're still uh, it, when you have when you have 17 games on the schedule, you're technically alive for a little bit longer. But, uh, yeah. So um, my my hope is if and when the Bears get eliminated, and maybe there's two or three games left. Maybe we see a rotation in there where Jason Peters maybe starts the game, then Devin Jenkins comes in for a series. That also depends on who's coaching the team at that point. Is Matt Nagy still saying we got to keep the best guys on the field and we got to squeeze out a win and we're playing blah, 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 blah? Because, you know, getting Jason Peters one extra win is really going to inspire him. And getting Andy Dalton a win as he's on his way to a different team is certainly going to inspire the 2022 squad. And making sure that Jimmy Graham, who's not going to be on this team next year, gets one more win, I'm sure that's really going to inspire the rookies. So uh, I, I would say that hopefully, whenever there's two or three games left, Tevin Jenkins gets a healthy rotation into that starting uh, or not even starting, but into that, that left tackle position. Cause that's where he's going to be next year. I don't, I don't see Jason Peters on this team or any team really uh, next year 
playing at the age of 40 and 41. So uh, I think that uh, Jenkins needs to get a good taste of the NFL, at at least in these last two seasons, so he can build on that in the offseason. Yeah. um, The other thing regarding Jenkins' development is we definitely want to see Borum and Jenkins on the field together because that's going to be a great indication of, you know, the, uh, our future at the tackle position. And, you know, it, it, let's keep our fingers crossed, but a line featuring those two guys at tackle and hopefully uh, uh, our right guard, uh, Daniels, continues to improve. Cody Whitehair is now officially a veteran. You know, those four guys could, could be – the 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 nucleus of a really powerful line and if you find a center that can perform better than sam mustafer and i hear the jokes now anybody can do it better than mustafer no uh you know uh, he is he's a technician and yes he gets overpowered too much for our taste but uh, this offensive line to me is clearly getting better and there is a promise that they could be an actually good unit in a year or two yeah, and Alyssa, we talked about this on the Bear Debate last night, and I want to get your opinion on it because it seems like when the Bears were good or at least competitive, they had that dog on the offensive line, Olin Krutz and uh, uh, Kyle Long, where those guys were just a little bit unhinged, where it's like, is this guy actually going to punch somebody? Will he rip somebody's face mask off? And the last few versions of the Bears' offensive line – hasn't necessarily had that. Yeah, Cody Whitehair has been good in spurts, and James Daniels has shown promise. But and you know Leno was a guy that was you know always available. But none of them were those guys that were going to jump into a pile, rip somebody off of a pile, and maybe and potentially. Nah, I would never condone this. But you know, getting a couple unnecessary roughness penalties. Are you hoping that either Jenkins or Borum can be that guy where he's the aggression setter? He's the guy that the other guys look like. Like, all right, we're in this now, kind of thing. Yeah, I think the expectation was that Jenkins was going to be that guy, right? Coming out of the draft, one of the things that he was hailed for was that mindset and that fierceness and how he just kind of, I, I try, I forget the quote. There was a quote about just how he kind of wants to go out there and kick someone's ass or something like that. And like, and I was like, oh my gosh, it reminds me of Kyle Long. You know, you need, you need a dog on your offensive line like that. It makes you miss a Crutes or a Long. So, I mean, I think the expectation is Jenkins should be that guy. And heck, maybe Borum will grow into that too. But when you hear about Jenkins and just how tough he is, I mean, I think that that's something that could definitely happen. Well, let's hope that it is. Uh, so <laughs> I do, I don't know if you guys talked about this, but I wanted to get your percentages on what you think it would take. What would it actually take for Matt Nagy to get fired against Green Bay? After, after Green Bay, I should say. What would it take, if anything at all, would it take an embarrassing like they, a couple? Uh, was it the last Tressman year where they lost by like forty, or they it was like the the New England game and the Packer game where they lost by a combined of like one hundred something to nothing or whatever it was? Uh, what would it take, if anything, for Matt Nagy to lose his job after Sunday night, Aldo? I think um, you know a- any kind of a performance where you have the national TV announcers joking about the Bears talking about their upcoming vacations in the second quarter, anything like that, that is, that is just another uh, kick to the stomach for bears fans. It's just another national embarrassment should be the trick. And um, I, I, I went into this last week with my plan and, and uh, that I hope that the bears are employing. And I hope that the Chicago bears are ready to announce an executive 
vice president for this team on Tuesday morning or, or excuse me, Monday morning. And that executive vice president says our interim coach is so, so, and so, and Ryan Pace and I will be working on interviewing coaches as soon as we're allowed. And then at the end of the season, Ryan Pace goes away. That's what I'm hoping. And I don't, and, and I just, I, I, I pray to God that George McCaskey is ready. His has been interviewing potential executive vice presidents and that he's ready to make that announcement very, very soon. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we hope that they do these, you know, sensible things that if we know that that should be done, right, then shouldn't the guys in charge? But again, this is, you know, the McCaskies are talking about. But I mean, I'm with Aldo. I mean, I would love if they had that plan in place. But I think we're giving George McCaskey too much credit at that point, unless someone stepped in or maybe he listens to the show. Hey, George, come on. You know, Aldo laid it out for you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to give him credit. Just yeah. do it. Um, but as to answer John's question, like what gets, what could get Nagy fired? I know we always talk about this and I'm not going to believe it until I see it, but, and you referenced that game during the Trestman era uh, and remember it was, I think it was 42, nothing at halftime, like something like that, kind of like the Tampa game, but it's so much worse because now it's on a primetime stage. It's against mm-hmm. the Packers. If Aaron Rodgers, you know, I don't know who he'd be talking to at this point because they'd be at Lambeau, but if he says, I still own them or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Like you want it because you know how much we're going to hear about that this week. So, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to take an embarrassing performance because, I mean, we already know he's going to be gone at this point or that he should be gone. So now it's, you know, what's going to get it done in the middle of the season. But like Aldo said, you have the two weeks at, uh, before the end of the regular season. You can start interviewing head coaches. So that's a reason why to get it done. They have to be embarrassed by the Packers, and I don't think that's too. I don't think that's like too unexpected at this point, especially where this defense is at. You know, a name that was thrown out, and I'm not exactly sure where it was, but it is it, it is growing on me. Whether it be the VP of football operations or potentially even the general manager is Omar Khan, who is with the Steelers organization right now and has been with the Steelers organization since 2001 and has been working side by side with Kevin Colbert for the last 20 years, constructing one of the more stable franchises in the National Football League. Now, uh, Kevin Colbert's only been the general manager since 2010 because the, the Steelers hadn't had a general manager ever until 2010. They finally made that a position in their organization, but he has been there through two Super Bowls, constantly revamping the team, came in, I guess, during the Cordell Stewart years and the Tommy Maddox years, and then you find Ben Roethlisberger, but they're constantly finding talent in the draft where they don't have to give big money. They find guys like TJ Watt, and they, their linebackers are always great, and so they make it work there. That's the kind of guy I want an executive that comes from an already stable organization. So if I and I don't want like a hot name that was in – whatever like a a shot like honest honestly though i don't know if i want anyone from an arizona or a buffalo that just got hot right now show me a guy that's had a state that's been in front of a very successful franchise for decades and has been like second fiddle to somebody and is ready to move on to that kind of thing and knows how to run a stable franchise doesn't get much more stable than the Roonies in Pittsburgh. And it's kind of set up the same way because the McCaskey family owns the Bears. The Rooney family owns the Steelers. I'm sure there are at least some similarities. If it, and it probably stops with just family owned. But uh, but uh, that's the kind of person that I want taking over the Bears who comes from a franchise that says, okay, let's look at this thing logically. Let's look at something 
that actually makes sense. So uh, I, I want somebody that comes from one of those franchises, be it New England or Pittsburgh or whatever. I, I'm not I'm not really big on like recruiting executives right now. And so it seems like somebody named Omar Khan is also a GM for WWE. So I don't want that one. I, that's not the <laughs> yeah, Omar that's Khan not that him. I want. <laughs> Although it might be it might be more entertaining than what we're watching now. But, uh, that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, actually rumored as a candidate for the Lions job last season, but something happened. I don't know if the Steelers uh, said you can't interview him or, or something like that. It didn't happen. And I know he's got a fancy title, executive vice president of football operations now with the Steelers, but he's looking for a GM shot. He's looking mm-hmm. for a position where he can make all the calls and be responsible for the entire operation. And and what's interesting is that George McCaskey, when he was asked, you know, because he volunteered uh, when, when asked you, who do you talk to to get advice? He volunteered the Pittsburgh Steelers as one of the organizations that he respects, he admires, and he's had talks with the Roonies about things. So it would be interesting to see if he's picked up the phone and said, hey, do you mind if I talk to Omar? Uh, because I'm looking for an executive vice president. It would be a bump up from what you guys are offering him. And the Steelers have already kind of made it clear that he is not going to get and uh, a, a promotion when the top dog over with the Steelers eventually retires. So it could be it could be kind of a perfect scenario for for everyone involved, except the Steelers would lose that top mind in the organization. But uh, that's an interesting name, John. Yeah, because he started as the football administration coordinator in 2001, did that for 10 years, then became the director of football administration for five years. And now that fancy title you were talking about is the vice president of football and business administration. So they keep bumping him up the ladder. Maybe they're making up maybe they're making up titles just so they can pay him more to oh, keep, yeah. him, to keep exactly. him around. Uh, but uh, that, that's the, once again, that's a guy in a, in a, in a franchise that instead of, you know, asking them how to run it, just take one of their people. <laughs> just, just take one of them. Just like, hey, what do you suggest? Or you know what? Why don't we just take one? Let's just take let's just take someone from Pittsburgh and put them in here because uh, I just want some kind of stability because I think that's what we all want as Bears fans. We want the next GM and the next head coach to be the GM and the head coach for Justin Fields' entire career, which hopefully is 15 years. We want we want stability where we know we know exactly who the GM is, we know exactly who the head coach is, we know exactly who the quarterback is. And when's the last time Bears fans were able to do that? I, I honestly, I, I mean, I don't think I was alive. I, 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 I just don't, I don't, I, I know. <laughs> Aldo, do you remember a time where there was complete, was it in the, was it in the eighties, the mid eighties where there was complete stability between GM, even, even with, uh, even though in the coaching, even 85 was Buddy Ryan versus Ditka. So yeah. there was always that friction there. So was there, was there ever a time where there was just complete serenity where it was like GM quarterback head coach, everything is at peace or did that never happen? Yeah, no, you got to go back to the time uh, when Jim Finks was the executive vice president president and GM of football operations for the Chicago Bears. George Hallis had realized that the game was starting to pass him up. And so he, for the very first time in team history, went outside and uh, Jim Finks had tremendous success with the Minnesota Vikings. That expansion team went to Super Bowls almost immediately. Uh, they beat the Bears in their very first game in the league. And so Hallis really appreciated Finks and brought him in. The only problem, the only reason Finks left was just because after uh, Jack Pardee and Neil Armstrong, two coaches that uh, Finks handpicked, 
uh, Armstrong, uh, Pardee got the team to the playoffs, and then uh, he, then he voluntarily left the team for another job, and then his replacement. Neil Armstrong couldn't get the team into the playoffs, so Hallis went behind <laughs> Fink's back and hired Mike Ditka. And Fink said, you know what? That's not the way I operate. I'll stick around to the end of the draft, and then I'm gone. And uh, and then, it, interestingly, the, the team appointed Jerry Venisi as – Finks's replacement and Venisi was the one that kept the team together because Ditka's explosions were irritating Michael McCaskey, then the chairman of the team, and Venisi was playing playing the go between between the two of them. So the drama started back then and has been going on ever since. <laughs> no wonder Neil Armstrong just decided to go to the moon. He got away from Chicago instead. I mean, <laughs> that's right, and that was one huge step for him. <laughs> yeah, one huge step back for the Bears. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, one last thing before we wrap things up. Uh, I do want to ask you about this being in, in prime time, whether that moves the needle at all. And if I want to know if Matt Nagy were fired after the Green Bay game, what do you think the fans would, would there be more fans in the stands in Soldier Field next Monday or less fans? I think more, but maybe they think, oh, we fired the coach. What am I? Okay, season's over. I'm not showing up. Although, more or less fans in Soldier Field if they fire Matt Nagy after Green Bay? Oh, definitely more fans. Definitely more. There, There is going to be such an outpouring of uh, jubilation among Bears fans. I mean, it's unfortunate for Matt Nagy, but it's hard. You know, well, it's not that hard because we had John Fox and Mark Trustman. But the level of vitriol towards uh, Matt Nagy is growing and growing. I think just just for his sake and his family's sake that he should be relieved of his duties. But I think that there definitely would be more fans, and um, uh, and those fans would be healthy, help, happy. And I know the three of us would be too. So, Alyssa, mm. more fans. Oh yeah, definitely more fans. I mean, what would we have to complain about at this point? We turn our, our attention to Ryan Pace probably after that. Yeah. But yeah, I think definitely, definitely more fans in the stands. And heck, we might get, you know, we had fire Nagy chance. Maybe we're gonna have thank you McCaskey chance going on or fire pace chance next or bye bye Nagy. Like who knows at this point? <laughs> but I mean, I definitely think you'll have more. And that would definitely be interesting because it's another primetime game. And that would just the focus on that. And what if the Bears come out and beat the Vikings? I know we were talking about how many wins do they have left this season. That could be one just like based on the emotion of it all, right? Coming out of that week, kind of like the Thanksgiving game. I know it was the Lions they were playing, but, you know, it felt like, you know, their backs were against the wall and they kind of just showed up and won and kind of just kind of silence everyone for a little bit uh so that could be an, definitely an interesting game but i think more fans would show up i think he, they would be much more excited because like watching the cardinals game you could they were showing them in the stands and they looked i know the weather was bad but they were miserable and it was just rough to see i'm like you needed to get the bag over their head at this point it kind of felt like that mm. so i mean i think they'd be much more excited for them being four and nine at that point if Nagy was gone I agree, because it at least shows that the the wheels of change are in motion. And I think yeah. that's what we're all yearning for. Like I said earlier, we're just waiting for that shoe to drop. We've been looking up at it for about a year. We're like, come on, just just do it. We all know what's going to happen. What are you waiting for? So we're we're waiting for that last shoe to drop. But uh, before we close things out here, I do want to talk about some stuff that's going on in the Barroom Network. And first and foremost, I do want to shout out a charity that our friends over at the Yinzers podcast are currently putting on. It's called the Jersey Giftaway. 
giveaway and it raises money to buy kids football jerseys for Christmas. So when you're a kid and you're a football fan, you want to be able to wear your favorite player's jersey to school, to family function, and especially on game day. But as most parents know, those jerseys can cost well over $50 sometimes, and it gets even harder if you have multiple children. So please consider making a kid's Christmas even brighter. They are taking donations on Venmo and on PayPal. I tweeted out the links today, but if you're a Venmo user, it's very, very simple. It's at Yinzers, Y-I-N-Z. H-E-R-S. I reached out to the Yinzers folks, and uh, I hope that we can partner with them on this next year so we can truly turn this into a massive effort. Chicago and Pittsburgh, two great football cities. These kids deserve to rep their team. Uh, outside of that, great programming on the Barroom Network coming up. As you can see on the screen, all the Venmo information there. Uh, we got... Uh, Danny Shim is going to be in tomorrow to break down all the tape of the Bears game. Is Mike North on tomorrow? Shake your head up and down, although I hope he is. Yeah, he is. Mike North always has a strong opinion. He'll have Trubisky starting next week. And so it's uh, there's always some great programming. Bear football right after the show, right after the show, right after the Bears game. Going to be a late one. Aldo, myself, and Tyler Ellis uh, on Sunday after this fun Green Bay game. And then uh, Greg Gabriel, of course, giving his two cents the day after. Uh, so make sure you check in all the programming going on here at the Barroom Network. Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks, and beyond. So make sure you check in on all of this. So, Alyssa, what do you got going on? Yeah, make sure to uh, go over to bearswire.com, covering the game all week. And I have an interesting uh, piece coming out tomorrow about things that the Bears regret right now that they do, that they did or didn't do at the start of the season. So that'll be interesting. Kind of get us in the Packers mood. Uh, and let me add that the best way to stay informed about all the great things happening here at the Barroom is to follow us on social media at Barroom Network. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and, of course, YouTube. All right, before we close things out, uh, I just want to thank everyone for tuning into the show. Like I always say, whether it's your first time or 55th time, we appreciate each and every one of you. And know it's not easy with this team because it's a lot of the same every week. And the fact that you guys are still showing up means the world to everyone here at the Barroom Network. So we appreciate each and every one of you, whether you're listening to the live version, the, uh, the, the podcast version, the audio version, or the video version. We appreciate you. With that being said, that'll wrap up this edition of Buffone 55. For Aldo Gandhi and Alyssa Barbieri, I'm John Buffone. We'll see you next week. Yes, pace is still high.